Welcome to Where Is My Mind, the podcast talks about music and mental health. We have a different guest each week who talks us through their emotional playlist. I'm your host, Tom. The guest of episode eight is Lou Hooper. Lou is a tattoo artist who runs Death Store Tattoo in Brighton. Lou talks about a mixture of things from her upbringing, life as a tattoo artist, and she takes us through her playlist picks. Uh, hey, Lou, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good. I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm excited. So obviously, this, the, episode, the podcast won't get released on this actual day, but this is the 17th of May when we can actually finally go back in places. So I'm excited to actually not be in the freezing cold with a beer and wear multiple layers. So I'm pleased that we can actually go inside places again today. So it's uh, yeah, it feels like a, a nice day. It's a big day. Yeah, it's quite exciting. I don't know if you've got stuff booked already, uh, but I've uh, I've preemptively booked a, a Sunday roast for me and my partner this weekend. And uh, yeah, it's going to be the first time in a very long time that either one of us haven't had to cook ourselves. <laughs> so it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's been, I saw a few friends over the weekend and one of the most common things is people just not having to like preempt how many layers they're going to have to wear to kind of get for a, a pub journey or visit. Yeah. So I think people are looking I've, forward to just wearing a normal amount of number of items again. That's it. I've kind of just given sitting outdoors at pubs a miss and been oh, waiting okay. for things to open up a little bit more. But because uh, I work in the middle of town, walking home, you can see everybody sat outside freezing. I've seen a couple of people sat out with their like loads of blankets and extra coats and someone with a hot water bottle and yeah I think uh, they look like practice pros <laughs> <laughs> the people who've thought that far ahead anyway yeah and obviously you mentioned town so you live in Brighton how have you mm-hmm. now obviously we I don't live I live in London but re- you know regularly visit Brighton how have you found is Brighton is it coming alive a little bit more have you noticed that Brighton's feeling like Brighton again yeah, it's it's still really strange for this time of year. I mean, Brighton's busy year round because it's such an amazing, like, vibrant place with loads to do. Um, and we've got great student population here. The tourism industry is great. It's a really like musical and artistic town, uh, which is how I found myself here as well. Um, but even for the time of year, it would normally be crazy busy down here. And in comparison, it's it's really really quiet. But then again, going back uh just you know three months or so and uh, the peak of lockdowns it it has been like a ghost town which is so strange for down here um walking sort of to and from the studio to potter away on chores or drawing there rather than in the house to just get me out uh and going through town just it feels so odd for such a lively place to be this empty. It is slowly coming back to life, but you can still feel the absence of the the same volume of people and everyone's still a bit like tentative as to how they're approaching going out. So yeah, with it being a big step today towards reopening, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the place come back to life a little bit more. Yeah, I had that a little bit. I just recently moved uh, from Brixton and I was in Brixton for a while and you know, Brixton pre-COVID was, you know, 24-7. You know, there was all, if you wanted to go and drink at 3, 4 in the morning, there was always places open. And mm-hmm. it was really weird because uh, it just turned into, obviously, because of lockdowns and stuff. But it, it took a long, long time for Brixton to feel like Brixton again. Um, and I still don't really feel like it is because, um, obviously, up until today, we haven't been able to go inside anywhere. 
and pubs only have limited obviously seating options outside but um it was weird to kind of take away a soul of a place um and if you take out all the people who would visit Brixton for the academy or for pubs or for the amount of restaurants there are and you just have the people that live there it's a really it was a really different type of place to it was it was interesting to experience the two sides of Brixton when I lived there um Mm. so I can imagine on a much bigger scale that being like with Brighton as well um because I I used to live in London before I moved down here so I know exactly what you're saying like the it's obviously another place with like a huge population and loads of different like cultures and vibrancy and stuff going on all the time when you take that away it's just it feels really hollow I, I did have a a couple of things that I needed to come up to London for during lockdown and and walking down Oxford Street and through um Hyde Park and past Buckingham Palace when it was completely empty I kind of felt like I'd woken up at the beginning of a zombie movie like (laughs) there were no people everything was quiet it was really weird yeah no it was weird I mean I I think everywhere felt like a ghost town and felt very much like 28 days later I think um yeah (laughs) but hopefully uh we're we're getting there and uh life can I mean I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to go and watch a gig again at some point um, oh yeah I know, they've been hit so hard but I'm really looking forward to it as well I've been <laughs> pre-booking a few things and just hoping that it all comes through but obviously with like bands who are traveling from uh abroad or um kind of have to travel any distance uh to come play Brighton we're just kind of holding our breath to see if they can still carbo what the laws are regarding um like travel uh from the eu and stuff now as well so there's a lot for the industry to have to contend with at the moment yeah totally i mean yeah just friends are in bands and being a music fan um it's been so i mean like your industry i mean it's, it's been a rough year um mm. so it's nice that i know we've lost you know a few, you know a couple of tattoo shops along the way and I think a few people have gone to working from home or, you know, having like their own private studios, et cetera. I think it's been mm. interesting to see how like, the music industry, the tattoo industry has kind of changed because of COVID. Um, now, obviously, you are an owner of a shop. Um, mm-hmm. How did you find, before we talk about you personally, um, and in terms of how you coped with lockdown, how did you find as a someone who's, you know, obviously you're obviously known in the industry, so you run your own shop. How did you find for your industry in, in the past year um it's it's uh it's kind of hard to explain in uh, one go it's it was more more worrying um having the lack of things to do to keep me busy from a mental point of view uh than I was worried about finances I was still still pretty nervous about um the money side of uh, things obviously being closed for that long and still having the same expenses uh, put quite a lot of pressure on and then feeling responsible for like your your kind of staff and the other people that work there uh, with you. You want to make sure they still have a good quality of life and being self-employed. You got slightly different support sort of packages from the government. So um, for me, personally i i did manage to um get the government support grants to help cover the bills at the studio and the rent and um uh, kind of overheads etc but it was only 
just enough so in order to pay rent on my home and like just live in general I still had to find a way to make ends meet and then kind of uh I couldn't tattoo so I had to find other ways to do it so I was illustrating and doing a lot of like freelance work and working on things that I could actually do from home and painting commissions and a bunch of other projects um I had going on behind the scenes and I used the time to redecorate the studio and get everything kind of revamped for if and when we were going to reopen again but always staying optimistic and moving forward and being prepared for when that happened um but I personally didn't manage to claim any furlough or anything like that because I'd have had to have stopped working completely and ceased having any kind of income and I knew what I could manage uh, off my own steam was still going to be greater than the support package that would be offered so it, it, it was kind of worth it for me to carry on just grafting and then that kept my brain a bit busier as well um, so luckily it's, it's been a a weird weird year obviously but I've come out the other side of it uh it's been really challenging but I feel really re-enthused for everything over the next year so kind of the absence of doing the things that you love and having to wait and kind of mourn the loss of uh, your routine when it's something you enjoy doing has given me fresh eyes now that I've kind of reopened and I can come back to it I've got a I've always had an appreciation for it because I really, truly love what I do. Mm. Um, but it's refreshed my appreciation for it, like on an even deeper level. And I realize just how much I need it and I thrive on work and the social interaction that I get from work, as well as the creative outlet that the kind of artwork and the tattooing actually gives me as well. So for so many different aspects of my job, um, they... <laughs> sounds juicy they complete me and when <laughs> I'm not doing it I really feel the absence of it all yeah so well, the, okay. well the saying I suppose absence makes our heart grow fonder so um, when, you, <laughs> yeah. when you take away something you obviously then and I suppose you would never have had as someone who is obviously is I'm sure your uh you know your schedule's ch- chocker with appointments you know you, you don't usually get a time to kind <laughs> of switch off so I suppose uh, and hopefully I think t- it'd be safe to call me a workaholic um (laughs) so yeah even even without like uh covid times I I sort of do tend to work sort of six seven days a week sometimes so well a lot of the time uh my lovely lovely friend and receptionist Flo is uh doing her very best to stop me from burning myself (laughs) out and if I book something in when I shouldn't I I get a little bit of a friendly scolding (laughs) so it does take a team of other people to like help me not do too much (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's nice though to have people to kind of you know people who do know you really well to kind of sometimes pull you aside and be like all right you know chill now like I think those people are (laughs) very important to have um because you know they can read you and they kind of know when the right time is to pull you aside and just be like all right just you know slow down just stop now (laughs) yeah take some time for you I do think that's important to have those people uh whether it's friends or colleagues because I can't do it for myself I can't regulate (laughs) um (laughs) all that well I just keep saying yes to everything (laughs) well I'm happy you said yes to this podcast um so you can start saying no after this um oh (laughs) genuinely excited 
excited about this outside of um tattooing and travel music's one of my like big interests so uh, I'm sure I have loads to talk about yeah no I'm excited to hear your playlist um so something you said when you were talking about obviously the you know with, with the shop obviously having to uh, temporarily close and you got to do other things in in hindsight and obviously trying to take positives out of the last year was it quite fun in a weird way to work on some different types of projects and to do things that potentially you wouldn't have had the time to do before um looking back was it actually quite enjoyable is the wrong word because obviously mm-hmm. you know the year we've gone through but was it quite interesting to kind of work on those different types of projects it was I think um when I first moved to Brighton I kind of moved here and set up the studio and I've just been working literally every day flat out since then and it's it's got to be nearly six years now so that's um that's an awful lot of time to have passed without me really taking any sort of like proper breaks or slowing down and having it enforced on me um being forced to take that sort of break and have to slow down is the only way that I would have done (laughs) so it was really mentally hard for me to do that um because it it goes against every sort of way that I operate but um it was really really useful I struggled to get comfortable with it to begin with and by like midway through the second lockdown it was it was starting to feel really really hard um and I just kind of I had to examine why I was struggling with it so much um, and realised that it was it, it was me that was the problem. So I sort of started to look at the situation a bit differently and try and make the most of it that I possibly could. So having that enforced break and really being stopped and made to sort of self-reflect and become a bit introspective about like the direction I was going in, what I was doing, um, why I was working myself so hard um, and what my end goals are um, from that and everything. I, it was actually really cathartic and useful for me. So I kind of wouldn't have chosen the break, but it did do me good. And there are lots of projects I've been sort of wanting to do for years that have been in the back of my mind or sort of in the early stages of uh, organising that never really got off the ground or got going because I'd overloaded myself with work in other areas of my life um so lockdown actually gave me a bit of um time to focus on that and to work towards that so um obviously I have a little bit of um history with working in television and mm. I, I I've stepped away from that for a little while while I've been getting settled in a new city running the business I've just been overwhelmed with other workloads but I've been thinking about getting back to it more over the last few years um but I love to have like more creative control with what I do going forwards compared to what I've done in the past so um I've had a few ideas kicking around for a while and uh, lockdown gave me a chance to stop think about it properly plan something out and um yeah I'm quite excited to say that I've, I've got a new project in the kind of early stages at the moment um I'm not going to say any more than that uh, <laughs> I won't give anything away just yet well, it's a little too early but it's something I'm very excited about and oh, cool. uh yeah watch this space is all I can say <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you know how to work it, just dropping little teasers, making people wait. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. when, when we're off air and we stop recording, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to tease everyone else for now. <laughs> no, 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 I like that. Um, yeah, because obviously you were on a certain program that was or is on the Channel 4, I don't know if it's on anymore. Um, and obviously I know you walked away after the first season of that because mm-hmm. and you've quite you've quite publicly said it wasn't what you thought it was going to be um, in any way. Um, so mm. it's nice to hear that this show will obviously be on your terms and it will be what you think it is going in. Um, so you don't have any of those rude awakenings, I suppose. So um, mm-hmm. that's nice to hear. Yeah, I'm quite excited about it. It's um, something I get to involve a lot of my good friends in as well. So oh, it's, um, yeah, oh, I'm, try- I'm trying really hard not <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll move away. away we'll move away. Really excited about it. I'm so, so, so. No, no, it's, I might uh, let I'll, a few things slip. You never know. <laughs> Where's well, a fan of yours? I'm excited to watch and hear more and see and see what develops because I, I do think as a fan of tattoos and somebody who's got them, that I can't draw save my life. Um, <laughs> there's never really Sorry, been I'm a good. Sh- huge music fan, and I can't play anything. <laughs> same. <laughs> so same. I uh, I sympathise. <laughs> Uh, I don't think there has really ever been, in my opinion, like a good tattoo show. Um, there have been some like good documentaries and, you know, I think there have been like one-offs that have been an interesting watch. But like the big budgeted things, like obviously all those LA Ink stuff and Miami Ink and I mean the London Ink one was pretty terrible. And then obviously mm-hmm. the show you were on, I'm sh- you know, I'm sure you won't mind me saying wasn't great. <laughs> um, but obviously your bit. Um, well, there's reasons i stopped yeah um <laughs> yeah. i, I so, probably know my uh, opinion yeah. on them as well <laughs> um so i think it'll be really refreshing to actually watch something that will actually be a good representation for the industry um and as someone who is obviously quite well known in your industry like you are i as a and as i've said prior obviously being a fan of yours i kind of i have you know excitement of hearing a project like that led by someone like yourself um, who is an established artist and has a name and has cre- uh, credibility, which I think is, I think that last word is massively important. Um, Thank because, you. That's, yeah, that's actually yeah. amazing to hear because, I mean, never really been that worried about general public opinion about me because I know if I'm happy with what I'm doing like I'm going to be my own harshest critic so if I can like live up to my own expectations then then I'm happy but um that's really nice to hear and it's it's so nice that um people are kind of sort of paying attention and see what I'm trying to do and credibility is is quite important to me um and I genuinely care about what I'm doing so hopefully that's coming across and and thank you that's really sweet of you to say <laughs> oh I think it's I mean I think if you looked at the last series of that program you were on you know the fact that the receptionist didn't have any tattoos and I'm not saying that's a be or an end all but when you go into a shop you know and I know this from getting tattooed you do bounce ideas off you know the person who's you know front of house and you do talk mm-hmm. to them and I always say this about PTs you know I'm someone who struggled with my weight for the you know entirety of my life and I have had personal trainers here or there. You know, I want someone who knows what they're talking about. And if someone walked into a gym and saw someone like me <laughs> as their personal trainer, I think they would be like, oh, I think you need personal training. <laughs> so I think um, I think you want someone who who's, you know, who knows about the industry. And I think the problem with that show, I'm not trying to see, I'm sure people can read between the lines. 
and know which we were talking about is <laughs> people on it didn't really seem to know the industry and what they were talking about and you know I think that was one of the many shames about that show and I think what's what is nice when you hear your people like yourself talk about your projects etc you're like well you know, like that credible word, I think it, I think it is, I think it is a massive thing. So I'm excited to see what, um, what you do next uh, from the TV side of things. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm very excited so- as well. But um, you, you're completely right. I think it's very difficult to make a successful show on tattooing if you don't know anything about the industry you're trying to represent. And I think that was one of the major problems with the show it was obviously being like made and put together as a as a tv show for shock and all value for the viewer rather than coming from a place of understanding and knowledge of the the culture and the industry itself mm. um and unfortunately I didn't really have any input with any of that um it was my first like big tv kind of experience and uh, i was grateful of the opportunity but it, it did become very apparent very quickly that it was obviously being made for television rather than to be truly representative of how the day-to-day um is and i had hoped it was going to cover a bit more of the the genuine art and skill uh of what can be done um but yeah obviously it was a tv show so uh, <laughs> uh yeah. we got what we got <laughs> yeah um a question i've always wanted to ask someone who who runs a tattoo shop when it comes to um hiring new artists um is it a little you know is it quite common that you approach them they approach you like for yourself obviously i know you've only got a certain number of people that you can obviously work there at one time do you have like a like a hit list of people that you'd love to work in the shop um or which kind of way does it work definitely I'm a I'm a huge fangirl of um other tattoo artists so like you probably see if anyone looks at my Instagram I am literally just following thousands of people and they're all other artists so um yeah I it's a mixture really um if there's somebody whose work I absolutely love I'm quite happy to approach them and send a message and just introduce myself and invite uh people to come and guest or vice versa if somebody likes to look at the shop and they fancy doing the same they're more than welcome to drop us a message and uh as long as the person themselves is nice and uh respectful in the space and professional um and has a, a good standard of work and a good um quality of work then there's absolutely no reason why I wouldn't be totally happy to have them in the studio um and yeah I I have a huge list of people I'd absolutely love to work with whether or not they come to guest or I go to guest with them or I get the pleasure of working with people at conventions in the future uh, but the the studio I run does have limited uh, seats, so I'm I'm really lucky to work with like one of my best friends and a really really sweet human uh, called Natalia who tattoos full time with me, and it's just uh, the two of us full time at the studio, and it is the most chilled out working environment I've had in the last 13 years, and I'm as much as I love working with lots of different people, we have such a good balance and a good thing going and quality of uh, customer care and our day-to-day is just so nice and friendly and easygoing that I 
I don't want to mess with that. It's so <laughs> it's so perfect the way it is. I probably wouldn't want to introduce too many extra people just because we'd be crowded on space and it, it's just such a nice vibe in there at the moment as it is. Nice. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that must be really fun <laughs> to be able to uh, kind of, you know, have friends, but also people that you respect and obviously are a fan of their talent come and work with you. That must be a really fun side of running a shop and managing it yourself that you're going to get to. Aww. It'll be like fancy football where you get to like pick the players you want. <laughs> I yeah, it's of, great. We've yeah. been really lucky over the time that I've been open. We've had lots of people sort of come and go and it's been such a nice opportunity to meet other artists and, and learn from them as well because every new person that comes through, you can sort of, get little new nuggets of information from whether it's how they set up their machines their working practice like how they are with their clients like it's just really interesting to see how other people work and if there's something really good there you can kind of incorporate that into your working practice as well but um yeah sorry I should say um as well like I've just given Natalia a little shout out but um we also have a, a lady called Emma who works with us every Saturday who also works in London at Redpoint and I've been a huge fan of her work mm. for years she's been tattooing for longer than me and when she first approached the studio uh inquiring after a guest spot I I I almost couldn't believe it I got really excited I'm like oh my god I love Emma's work and she's asking if she can come and work here this, that was like insane to me it got me really excited and and she comes in uh, every kind of Saturday now and it's just an, another really lovely addition to the team she's so professional and caring and her work's incredible and just another lovely human and then um anyone who's emailed will also be familiar with uh Flo uh Florence who does all of my emails and bookings and uh keeps me organized and stops me from losing my mind at work so uh yeah it's it's the team of uh us four girls at the moment and it's just such a good uh kind of experience for me every day when I get to go to work I get to see these lovely people and it just it works so well um it's not intentionally an all-girls studio it's just kind of ended up that way so uh any any chaps listening uh you're welcome <laughs> to apply for guest spots we're not exclusive <laughs> we love everyone <laughs> yeah nice well I've been a fan of Emma since she was at the family business um so uh, when I saw that you, you, she started working in a shop, I was like, well, that's a brilliant addition because she's oh, so she's talented. so nice. Um, yeah. yeah. She's so. got a lot of interests that cross over with mine as well. So we've got plenty to, to talk about. She's um, a music fan as well. And uh, she rides motorbikes. So I'm just starting my motorbike training at the moment. Oh, cool. So I'm going to be bugging her for Sunday ride outs very soon. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very cool. Well, talking about music, this obviously is a music and motion slash mental health podcast so let's talk about how you got into music so you're kind of how you built that kind of emotional connection with music uh growing up um was music something that was played often like were your parents playing music for you was it something you got into via siblings or cousins or friends how did, what was your kind of musical upbringing so I grew up in the middle of nowhere in the countryside in Devon. It was it was so remote and isolated. It was a really, really tiny village. Uh, and then my family's house was on the opposite side of the railway tracks to that village. And we had a mental home uh, on one side of 
our house was our neighbors and then an old lady that used to breed dogs on the other side of us and it was just those three houses in the middle of nowhere with a railway track that was so isolated that you'd have to request the train to stop there if you wanted to go anywhere I'm talking like there was one bus a week uh the post office was also the corner shop uh and there was like one pub oh my god it was so tiny but um growing up that isolated the the only kind of access to music I had was whatever was playing on the radio if you could get the radio to come through clear (laughs) enough so a lot of the time it was like radio one and from like as early as I can remember starting to listen to music I hated whatever they were playing on there. I never really kind of got into sort of like mainstream pop or anything like that uh, that I was hearing on the radio when I was a kid. So it was really frustrating that the only music I had access to all seemed to be stuff that I didn't really like. But my dad had a uh, like a record player and hi-fi system from the 70s that was one of his like pride of joys so he had a a limited but quite good record collection so I would find myself like choosing to listen to that over radio more often than not and he had some really good stuff on there like he was a um sort of big fan of uh Bowie and the Doors and there was some Eagles and uh the I had a few Black Sabbath albums and I always found myself sort of like preferring that. And as I got a bit older and started to travel further away from this isolated little village um, to go to school in the next town over where there were like more kids and a bigger population. And uh, I was starting to meet other people who were into music, but had things that I'd never heard before. And uh, I sort of, started to find my group of friends at school through like similar music interests and it was really exciting at that age to to talk to people who were into things like me that wasn't necessarily like mainstream and um it was obviously like back before uh kind of Instagram or Facebook or social media and stuff as well so you had to find things the old-fashioned way and you'd you'd go to the local like record shop and you'd wait for a new release and you'd get really excited about being able to get something new that actually had like album sleeve artwork and you'd wait for like weeks and months for a new release or something um whereas I mean the convenience of being able to click Spotify now is amazing but I do remember very well like how it used to be I'd have to go and pre-order something well in advance and it was like an event anytime something new came out so I mean I remember starting to get more and more sucked into music from a very very young age but the it just kind of kept building in momentum like my interest Mm. uh as I got older and I think by the time I was sort of 13 I was already going to gigs regularly uh one of my very first boyfriends in secondary school uh was in a ska punk band and it it was kind of a big genre at the time it was um skate punk and Mm. uh kind of yeah there was a bit of a a revival of punk and pop punk was becoming a massive thing so it was like a good time for me to be a teenager and get sucked into that genre 
What and, was that? Um, do you remember what the band was called that he was in? Was it a good sky? <laughs> yeah, and... I do. Uh, Robo Lint. Uh, Robo they were like a, a <laughs> they were a, a sort of southwest um, Devon band, and it was a, a group of like best mates that were all really into music, and it was just really silly and really fun. And I remember being like really good years of my teens, um, but it it got me more and more interested in music, and I just started to go to gigs more and more regularly and there was one point where I'd I'd be at shows like four to five times a week um how I ever used to afford that I have no idea (laughs) stuff was cheaper back then (laughs) but um yeah I I was getting more and more into music and alternative culture and everything that goes with it and I knew living in the countryside and being that isolated just it wasn't for me I knew as soon as I was old enough I was going to move towards a place that had more of that stuff on offer so when I got to 16 I started um I I basically moved out and I started to spend a lot more time in uh Exeter which was the the nearest big city to me and we were lucky enough at the time uh because the music scene was actually sort of thriving at the time we had some really good choices of good clubs there. And uh, my favorite was always the cavern, which is still there. And it was, yeah, I've heard it's of it, a, yeah. yeah. So every sort of up and coming rock or punk band uh, that ever toured the UK and went to the Southwest would have heard of the cavern. And it was, it was a, a real hub for anyone with shared interests or shared music tastes like that. So you got to sort of find your music community quite easily just by going to a those gigs regularly and it was it was so nice to have that as a place to go and it was escapism for me because I I had quite a challenging childhood uh, okay. and it was peppered with with uh, a fair few sort of ups and downs I like most people I probably want to kind of go into it too much right now but um for me music was a bit of a self-medication a bit of therapy and uh escapism and a way I could sort of meet friends and keep myself interested and it evoked emotions that would sort of like help me air my frustrations or uplift me if I was down and I think all that great stuff that music has to offer it is very linked to emotion so that was yeah really useful for me at the time I don't know what I would have done without that place Mm. and everything that it had to offer me as a teen so yeah thank you very much everyone at the cavern you (laughs) probably saved my life at several points literally so yeah still going still an awesome place to visit um and if you're ever in Exeter check it out (laughs) yeah well I mean thank you for that that was uh that was a really uh kind of really interesting kind of listen for me uh, to kind of hear obviously about kind of your journey and the last bit you said I just think was a, a really nice way to summarize why we're talking about that emotional connection that we have with music and um, how it really can help define you as a person I mean you know I have some friends who are teachers now and I think we're relatively in the same age uh, same age bracket and for me when I was at secondary school music defined what group you're in um, mm-hmm. You know, I was definitely in the, though I couldn't skate at the time, I was definitely in the kind of skate alternative group. Um, yeah, me too. Or, yeah. or we were referred to as the mini metalers. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, you know, and that was, and that would be how you were treated. Um, you know, like a big thing at my school was like drum and bass and that kind of thing. 
and you know they were the cool kids um and we weren't perceived as that because we listened to what they you know and yes obviously new metal was around at the time and you know i did like metallica and slayer and bands like that as well you know maiden but i also really loved blink and green day and offspring and mm-hmm. you know, pennywise and nofx and um oh my I think god nofx i love yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think now it's slightly different at schools that because pop music is if you look at pop musicians now you don't really get the kind of bubblegum people like Steps and that we probably had when we were growing up, like Backstreet Boys and stuff. If you look at people like Billie Eilish and Dua Lipa, et cetera, they were a lot more cool, slightly alternative-looking mm. pop stars. It was um, full-on cheese when yeah. we were, <laughs> when we were Yeah, and like I think that, defi- again, defined those groups. Um, so I think, I think it's interesting how, and I agree with you, I think, you know, when I was in my teen years where I was trying to discover who I was music was a massive part of that for me you know it helped me define who I was and it, and it now still to today you know like mm-hmm. meeting people at gigs or meeting friends through different places like on Saturday I was at a friend's barbecue or house garden do and we're all sitting around uh, a speaker playing you know Supergrass and Oasis and songs we <laughs> listened to prior talking about those how it still inspires us and um you know it still happens you know in our 30, you know late 30s or mid 30s it still it still happens you know we still we still huddle around the speaker and we get excited when we hear a song we haven't heard in years and it yeah. brings up emotions of when me and my brother would listen to Oasis growing up or you know this and that so i think um the way you described it i think is a really kind of really beautiful way to kind of talk about how how music does help and supports and helps guide us to to who we potentially could be well, I think you just worded it really well a minute or so ago saying that it's um it's kind of when you're a teenager and you're still trying to find yourself and figure out who you are and what you like it's it's something that you can identify with and it also helps you to sort of figure out your own identity when you find sort of music that you connect with and then that connects you with other people that you then connect with it's um it's a great way to I don't know, like build on your own interests and figure out who you are and what you're about. And uh, for me, it's only ever like led me to new amazing things. And I've met some of the best friends of my life through music. So um, I think it's it was definitely pivotal in me figuring myself out as a teenager and being a much happier person. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of that, I know you mentioned no effects when I, when I mentioned them and You've mentioned kind of skate punk and stuff. Like, what kind of bands? If we were talking about teenage Lou and Lou hmm. at school, what kind of bands like define that era for you? Ah, uh, you know what? I probably still listen to all of it now as well. <laughs> same, uh, same. They're, they're still absolute go-to favorites. I love No Effects and a lot of them, um, sort of uh, old eighties sort of political punk. Um, okay. I. I think, yeah, my music tastes have stayed pretty consistent, to be honest. I like lots of different genres, but I'm quite fussy within each genre. Um, I like everything from um, kind of rock and roll, punk, blues, metal, trip hop. Um, oh, my God. There's so many sub genres now. I could literally <laughs> just sit here and like list a million things off. But um, I, I won't bore the listeners with all of that. Um, but, yeah, I suppose in secondary school, it was... Um, 
it was very much like uh, a second wave of um, punk, but it was way more like pop punk coming out at the time. So I used to listen to loads of Offspring and Weezer, No Effects. Um, oh my God, Social Distortion. Like I, I still do. Um, so it was probably a lot more sort of like cheesy, happy punk that I would have listened to back then and I've got as I've gotten older I've gotten more into sort of like uh 70s rock and a lot more blues and bluegrass stuff so oh, nice. uh yeah I'll, I'll pick something different each day depending on like what my mood is or what I'm doing that day or what time of year it is like there's so many different ways to influence like my music choices but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I suppose as well and obviously correct me if I'm wrong but the kind of social group you're hanging out with, the kind of alternative group at this school, uh, would would that have led you into, I know you probably had an interest in art anyway, but would that kind of alternative group led you into the world of tattooing as well? Um, so I probably, I was interested in art literally from as early as I could walk. I think it's just something that's always been uh, kind of a, a natural interest for me. So I was interested in art first and then I found music and the further I got kind of drawn into the music world I was being uh, more and more exposed to sort of tattoo culture and the appearance of a lot of these kind of uh, alternative bands were resonating with what I found myself drawn to and what I liked the look of. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it sort of introduced me to art, but it definitely drew me closer specifically to tattoo art I think if I hadn't have found tattooing uh, I'd still be doing something art and design based now either way but by like happy coincidence getting more and more drawn into the kind of music world I I was just naturally being exposed to more alternative culture and tattoos on people and it was a natural progression into that field and it just ticked yeah. all the boxes for all my own personal interests so nice. uh yeah it worked out very well <laughs> yeah and um what was your as I'm always intrigued by the kind of first tattoo people got uh what was your first tattoo Oh, so this probably was actually a little bit linked to what I was listening to in school at the time. So while around about the same time I was um, listening to loads of the pop punk stuff, I was really into like uh, ska and reggae as well. Um, and then a bit of like dub reggae and stuff as well. So uh, at the time I was kind of going to a lot of those gigs and my first tattoo, I actually, I know I shouldn't say this because it's uh, it shouldn't be encouraging other people to do it, but I snuck into a studio and I got uh, tattooed underage. I know, no. so bad. I'm breaking all my own rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was so, even then, I was so obsessed with it and excited about it. I've been thinking for like a good couple of years before I even did that about what I wanted. And I was really sure of my choice. and And I thought oh I could just about get away with this um so I tried my luck and I did um I mean I look young now so how the hell I got away with it back then I have no idea but I I was very excited to to have my first tattoo and uh kind of linked to a lot of the music and styling that I was into at the time uh I got a sun between my shoulder blades 
Okay. I was also at the time like representative of uh, like a fresh start in life. So I'd come out of a, a dark period and things were feeling good. And I was uh, wanting to mark that point in my life with something positive um, to kind of symbolize moving forward and the sun coming out after the darkness. And uh, yeah, it sounds super cheesy now that I kind of think back <laughs> and I'm hearing myself say it out loud. But I think for a lot of people when they're picking their first tattoo, it does tend to be something uh, like linked to an emotion or something important to them at the time whether it's like friends or family it it tends to be an emotional choice your first one. Oh, totally well yeah I mean uh, mine wasn't uh mine was based on music <laughs> um so I I was a huge hymn fan in my teens oh, uh, I remember so, him. Yeah. yeah I was a big band Margera CKY anything oh band did, did or you said. have tip x so, band logos on your rucksack at work at uh, school yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, um, I've got a heartogram on my kind of top of my right shoulder. Um, cause you oh, know, wow, that is a proper time capsule now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, um, I mean, I, every now and again, if him comes on a playlist, I'm like, it reminds me of like being really like, I don't, I don't enjoy it as much as I did now. It kind of takes me back to really loving him. Uh, when I was younger. Oh my but, um, god, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have one of those albums as well. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but, uh, yeah. So, and I'm very proud of my hymn tattoo because uh, again, it <laughs> defines an era for me. It defines, um, you know, though I've got a lot of better tattoos since. I will never get that covered because for me, you know, I was 18. I was in Australia. I was, you know, I loved that style of music. You know, I loved, and it just defines an era for me, and it defines a period of my life which uh, I was a, you know, a tr I wasn't a trouble teen in terms of getting in trouble, but I was a trouble teen in terms of I didn't really know who I was, and I was kind of walking around a little bit, kind of eyes closed. And the one thing I did know that I who I was was I liked alternative music, um, mm. so that was kind of what I defined myself as because I wasn't quite sure who Tom was then. Um, and I've only just I can recently, relate to that. Yeah, and through mm -hmm. life coaching, which I've spoken about on the podcast before, I've only just in the last two years kind of answered that question. Um, so it was kind of a long time of walking around with my eyes closed, but um, so to speak. But that that who I I knew I, if there was one thing I was sure about was that I liked alternative music. So um, mm -hmm. if I ever catch it in a mirror or someone sees it. Um, I, you know, I, I smile and I kind of think, oh, yeah, it was such a great era for me. I'm sure, you know, I, I loved growing up being the age I was because, you know, it was obviously there was a bit of new metal. There was a great scene of punk. There was a great scene of heavy stuff. And, you know, it was just nonstop good gigs and it was just yeah. nonstop huge gigs. And it was a great time. I, d I didn't yeah. really appreciate it at the time because it was just kind of normal then. But I've got to admit, I miss it because you just can't. You can barely find those gigs at all at the moment, let alone the volume that they used to be. And there was always something new and exciting coming out. And totally. you were spot on. Like all of those tracks just remind me of like good memories and friends at the time. And you can hear a particular track and it will make you think of someone or like a particular night that you were doing something amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it just certain tracks will evoke memories. Um, and for me with music, like 
all of those memories are positive like um so yeah it can completely relate to that it's really nice to hear somebody else say it too no agreed I mean I you know like that's past Saturday just standing around a speaker with a you know a few friends and talking about you know where we were where we bought the first you know Deftones record and you know all uh-huh. remembering the first the record store where we bought the first corn record or you know and all these things like I because of how I mean I still buy vinyl but I think I'm from the age where obviously I've always bought some physical form of music but I don't think if you are someone and I'd like to think this isn't true and I'm sure there are people of age brackets who still buy physical things but the majority of 16, 18, 17, 15 year olds, obviously it's all online because that's the culture we mm-hmm. live in now. Um, and if you ask them the first time where they bought, I don't know, the fir- the new record of Band X, they will be wired to on Spotify or YouTube, mm. where people of our age and our age bracket remember the record store where they bought a record and where it was and that feeling it brought. I mean, I, I remember the first time I got pocket money and we used to, I grew up in a town called Orpington and we had a record store called LPs. And I remember running down the first day I got pocket money, spending it all on a Slayer record and a Motley Crue <laughs> record. And though I got in trouble with my parents to spend it all in one day because it was meant to last me a month. <laughs> Worth just, it. <laughs> exactly. Just that feeling of, you know, listening to, you know, Rain in Blood by Slayer and sitting in my room and putting the CD on. And I'll never forget, you know, those feelings and you know those record stores and um because i think that was that was what we did back then you know like you said you know you pre-ordered things you would make the effort to make sure that you got it when it first came out um yeah i think it's uh i'm, I'm pleased i grew up in the era we did where yeah that was a con- was- that was that was the norm for music it was really nice to kind of have that because I remember collecting tapes and then it was collecting CDs and then uh, it's kind of gone full circle. I've gone back to uh, collecting vinyl now. So yeah. I can't actually remember the last time I bought a CD, but I am building my vinyl collection up again. Nice. So that's really nice. But yeah, I, I totally love having like that physical thing as well. And even though I don't own a CD player anymore, I still have all my old CDs because I just cannot bring myself to kind of rehome them or I don't yeah. know they they've been with me for like 25 years or something <laughs> already so uh they're still sat in my cupboard even though they may never get played again but it's just it's all the memories attached to them I love having that and having the the physical thing there so uh yeah I'm still buying vinyl as recently as like last week I think I added a couple new albums uh <laughs> to oh, nice. my collection it- but that's it's a nice feeling to be able to go in and leaf through uh in the shops again so uh, luckily in Brighton we've got some really really good record shops and there's some great choices and places to go here for that kind of thing so uh another reason to move here <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's now move on to the main part of the podcast, which is obviously where we talk about your playlist. Um, so just a quick recap for any new, new listeners. Um, this is where we talk about your emotional perfect playlist, where I give you different emotions. Uh, all bar one is what everybody answers. One is more tailored to you. Um, and we talk about the type of music you listen to when you're happy, sad, etc. Um, so... I will obviously tell you the, the emotion and then we'll talk about the type of music and we'll talk about your song pick. And then when the episode's released, we'll also release your playlist as well. Because hopefully cool. people will get some support and will 
can add these songs to what they listen to for their different emotions and gain some extra extra support that way as well. So, like any good playlist, you want to start it with a bang. You want to start it from upbeat moments. This is your happy song mm-hmm. choice. The song you listen okay. to when you're feeling good about yourself, when you're feeling happy. So what type of music does Lou, Lou listen to for that kind of emotion? So the the one track that I picked to sum this up for me today is SOB by Nathaniel uh, Raycliffe and the Night Sweats. Okay. So uh, I have only sort of come across this band fairly recently, but this song sort of resonates with me uh, and I just can't stop listening to it. I will, <laughs> I'll just put it on repeat and it gets me happy. It's got like a, a good sort of... Um, upbeat pace and some interesting lyrics and it's um yeah it's I guess like uh country punk rock all rolled into one and uh yeah this song just does it for me this will put me in a good mood no matter what and it's uh yeah perfect road trip music as well (laughs) I don't actually personally know that song so I'm looking forward to listening to it when we finish um yeah is there any other, would you say, when you are listening to happy music, there isn't, is there a specific type of genre you kind of lean towards or is it quite yeah. kind of? Uh, I, li- I like, um, for happy music and upbeat stuff, I tend to lean towards um, sort of, <laughs> I'm going to repeat myself again, like punk and pop punk and uh, a lot of um, sort of 70s metal uh, and 70s rock. Um, I really like, uh, there's a band uh, from America. It's like a all-girl band called Bad Cop, Bad Cop. And they are really punchy, upbeat, kind of pro-female kind of band. And I just, I love their sound and everything they do just kind of uplifts me. It makes me happy when I listen to it. So they get an awful lot of airtime in the studio. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I like a lot of um, soul uh, for like happy, feel good music as well. So uh, yeah. Oh my God. I I just so much stuff. I think it's going to be kind of hard for me to narrow down to just like one song for each genre but uh the playlist you've asked me to put together uh I may have snuck more than one or two songs onto it for each category (laughs) so uh, I'll uh, I'll let you check that one out in your own time (laughs) (laughs) well obviously obviously the listeners won't see but I got sent a picture of uh Lou's homework for this and it is a very (laughs) there's not many gaps left on the paper it could never uh, get me to do homework at notes. school, but when it comes to like research for music, I am on it and having a time of my life. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I suppose other happy bands that kind of get me excited is I, I like a band called Harley Poe uh, and Days and Days and The Interrupters, Transplants, uh, Star Fucking Hipsters. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I... I'm going to draw a blank now because <laughs> okay. no, the list in my head is just, yeah, uh, so long. It's going to confuse me. But um, <laughs> I could go on and on, but I'll nice. save it for the other genres. <laughs> Super. Well, that's a, that's a good, strong opener. Um, second track is your inspired track. Now, obviously, this is quite an open-ended kind of emotion. Uh, you know, being inspired can be taken in a few different ways. Um, so when Lou wants to feel inspired, what type of music 
would you kind of lean towards for that emotion? I'm going to sound really boring, but I'm going to I'm going to say probably exactly the same <laughs> stuff, but more particular tracks. Um, okay. So uh, obviously, like genres will have like an overall feel, but there's still particular tracks within them that will do different things for you emotionally. So I know I just mentioned uh, Bang Called Bad Cop, Bad Cop, but my my sort of like go-to inspiration song at the moment is a fairly new track there's called Perpetual Motion Machine. And it's just, it's got a great sort of build. Uh, and when you listen to the lyrics, it's really, um, it resonates with me. Uh, they sort of cover, uh, I suppose the keys in the name Perpetual Motion Machine is it's um, kind of working forward despite things being hard and like driving forward through challenging things. And, and I just, I love the message and the ethos behind this band. They're just all about kind of supportiveness and uh, kind of female power. And yeah, they're just fucking badass at the <laughs> same time, which is, you know, I, I just love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's your, is that your song pick? For this emotion? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. For for Inspire category, I would go for Perpetual Motion Machine by Bad Cop, right. Bad Cop. Sweet. Uh, I like that band, so I, I approve that song pick. Um, <laughs> okay, so the third track three is the one that's always tailored to the guests. Um, for this one, um, I know it's probably a bit of a cop-out because you are obviously an artist and a tattoo artist, but uh, I always find it interesting. You know, I listen to different types of music when I do my job. Um, and obviously different people do as well. Um, so when you are drawing, painting, tattooing, et cetera, because uh, obviously I know you are a, a multi, you know, obviously I know you're a multi-artist, you obviously do all the different types of mediums. Um, mm -hmm. what, type of, what type of music, and then obviously with the way the song bit, do you go to for when you are being creative? Uh, it will always be reflective of the mood on that day. So okay. if I'm feeling a little bit, tired and like sort of hectic loud fast music might be a little bit much for me first thing in the morning I'll <laughs> I'll start the day with something a little bit more chilled out so maybe some uh, like trip hop or kind of a bit more like mellow soul um and then like as I wake up throughout the day and my energy levels get a little bit higher then uh, I'll tend to sort of swap to something uh that matches my pace so that it'll get more energetic throughout the day um but more and more in the studio these days like I tend not to listen to necessarily like my own go-to playlist because I know that a lot of our clients come from um like a huge cross-section of um society so we have all kinds of people through the door from all kinds of backgrounds and everyone has totally different likes and dislikes so I try not to leave my clients feeling alienated by putting anything too extreme on um so try and just sort of pick crowd pleasers but stuff okay. that i can like stomach as well because i can't do pop uh, like, <laughs> so um yeah we we've got a few playlists set up at the shop that are sort of tailored for the things that we like and are general people pleasers so that we don't end up having like death metal playing when a uh, <laughs> middle-aged woman comes in for her first tattoo and she's already terrified so <laughs> um yeah it's the playlist in the studio and for work is a little bit um more considered for everyone rather than just uh me personally 
Nice. So what song are we going for for this one? What would be the song that represents you at work and how you guys like the atmosphere you like to create? Oh, I... So I'm not entirely sure how to answer this one because there <laughs> are so many, but I I quite like to start the day with um, Bonobo or... Um, Oh my god, I love the Bronx, but I particularly love Mariachi El Bronx, and it's okay. a little bit like happier, more upbeat, yeah. and uh, I'll I'll kind of work towards that in an afternoon where my energy levels are sort of starting to wake up a little bit, and I've had a few coffees. Nice. Um, so, yeah. some of those that you want to pick? Uh, ooh. No, just all of it, to be honest. All of it, okay. <laughs> I tend to just put an album on and then when the album finishes, we'll we'll figure something else out. But uh, every once in a while in the studio as well, we'll, we'll have uh, a cheesy day. So rather than okay. just doing alternative all the time as well, if uh, if we're having a silly day or the energy's high because it's close to a weekend, we will do a bit of a cheesy throwback day and we'll put some like corny 90s girl bands and stuff on. <laughs> which when they first came out uh and I was younger I hated but now I find cheesy and funny and can appreciate for like nostalgia value so nice. um yeah it's a little bit of everything but <laughs> okay so if I had to press you on a certain song for track three what uh what song are we going to pick for track three hmm. I had to really push you on a in an actual selection I would say Freebird by Leonard Skinner because it goes nice. on for ages. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, obviously, but yeah, it goes on for a really long time. So I can get a lot done in the space of that one track. <laughs> I mean, that's a very good reason to pick it. Length of track. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the longest songs ever made. <laughs> and great. It's a blinder. It is a blinder. And when that, I mean, the musical end comes in, it's, yeah, uh, I love it. Um, okay, yeah, great. The crescendo is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I think this is a, a good, strong opening to this playlist. Um, like any good playlist, you can't just be continuous, you know, happy songs. Throughout. You need to have that dip and that kind of mellow moment. So track four is the sad song. So type of music you listen to when you are feeling that emotion, uh, when you are feeling down, you are feeling a bit blue. Um, I've referenced this a few times, but in an earlier podcast, someone described it as, which I really love, um, that kind of song that will kind of give you that hug. Um, and especially in the past year where, well, we can hug from today, <laughs> but uh, we haven't mm -hmm. been able to go around and hugging people kind of willy-nilly. So, um, again... I love that willy-nilly hugging. <laughs> that makes that phrase just makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've said that in a while. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, so what type of, and obviously music and obviously the song pit, what type of music does Lou listen to when when you are feeling that emotion? So when I'm a bit sad and gloomy, I tend to put on upbeat, happy stuff to get myself out of that. Uh, but if there's ever a time where I feel like I just need to embrace it and lean into the feeling and let myself be sad for a bit, I I have my go-to track as Teardrop by Massive Attack. Oh, um, yeah. Great song. It's, yeah, it's just one of those tracks that, although it's like... Um, 
mellow and a bit mournful it's really beautifully uplifting at the same time and I mean I must have listened to it thousands and thousands of times over the years but it still gets me in my chest and like in that like sort of choked up feeling you get when you're really feeling something so yeah I would definitely go for teardrop I think nice do you have um when because I think the, what you said, I think sometimes, yes, obviously people do listen to happy music to get them out of the emotion, but sometimes to move past an emotion, you do need to accept it and feel it. Let yourself feel it. Yeah, because otherwise it will kind of stay with you a little bit. Um, yeah, when, so repressing when do, it isn't always the, yeah. best, uh, the best thing. Totally. Do you have a certain place that you would listen? Do you have an armchair? Do you go to bed? Do you go on a walk? Um, where, where, If you are going to accept the feel, accept the feel, so to speak, where would you tend to kind of go and listen to that type of music um so my lifestyle I'm quite lucky I, I can kind of introduce music in pretty much every aspect so uh if I'm up early and I'm going for a run I'll have a run playlist and then I can pick whatever I'm in the mood for at the time uh when I'm sort of having breakfast and getting ready for the day and just waking up with a coffee I'll put a play uh, playlist on in the background and it will be playing away while I kind of get myself ready for the day if I've got any drawing to do before work and then when I get into work I put music on because we have music playing in the background the whole time um so in an average day I I consume a hell of a lot of music and it's probably more the evenings when I get home from work and sit down, the TV goes on, uh, is probably the only time I'm not listening to music in the day yeah. in one way or another. So yeah, my music consumption is, is quite extreme, I suppose, <laughs> but, um, I'll have different playlists for running. Cause I'll, I'll like, uh, sort of something fast paced to set my pace. And then sometimes when you're out really early or when I'm out really early and running on the seafront, and the place is empty and there's a little bit of a gloom in the morning or it's misty or the sea fog's rolling in, that's a really nice time to listen to something like mournful and introspective and it can feel really beautiful when mm. when it's like a little bit icy and the sun's coming up over the pier and that that is just such a nice time to really like lean into the emotion of listening to something like that as well so yeah. yeah sitting on the beach listening to music is is something i quite enjoy doing nice and yeah the one of the pros of living by the sea is you get those mornings um yeah which we don't get living non by the sea so very jealous mm. um <laughs> okay uh we are now at the unofficially last track of the playlist um because there is one more after this but kind of obviously the song pick is quite a, a finale track it's the one which we talk about, the song that plays out your movie. So as the curtains are about to close, the song that plays us out. Some of people have described this, obviously, the last song of your life, etc. It's not meant to be in that depressive way. It's meant to be, I suppose, more of that kind of big song that kind of really signals kind of you and your story. Your grand finale. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so what cool. song have we gone for this one? Stay with me, my faces. Okay, nice. And why have we picked that one? It's, it's just another one that's so full of emotion for you. And I, I can't ever hear it without it sort of making my chest feel full of like love. <laughs> I just, uh, 
yeah, it evokes a lot of emotion for me and it's kind of happy and upbeat. So for me, if it's a goodbye song, it'd be an uplifting. I had a really good time. Thanks a lot. I'm going out with a bang sort of. Nice. Yeah. Uh, peace out. But I've had fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another one that makes me feel the feels. Yeah, and when you said it obviously evokes a lot of emotion, is it a song that reminds you of childhood? Is it a song that reminds you of a certain kind of period of your life? Probably more recent. I'd say in the okay. last like four years. So um, one of my best friends of all time, which is also um, my now ex, uh, we spent eight years together and we did an awful lot of traveling and uh, we were lucky enough to road trip across America and oh, cool. it was part of the playlist. So I remember like driving through Joshua Tree National Park with like the sun going down and uh, this just playing while we drove past all the rocks and the cactus and it was just a particularly beautiful time and it just it, once again just brings back amazing memories so uh, yeah I, I still treasure all of those like kind of memories and experiences and it's just such a beautiful song as well even without the kind of memory and emotion attached to it it's yeah, it just uh, makes me super happy in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that's a really beautiful way to describe it. Um, and very jealous you did that trip around America <laughs> because it's always been on my bucket list to do. Um, oh, travel is up there with yet another one of my obsessive uh, hobbies. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, I, I have far too many interests. <laughs> oh, we need to, we need to get you on a travel podcast. Um, oh my god! Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, just maybe that's what my new project maybe. Ah, okay. Ah, See, another little teaser. For play, that. <laughs> playing the teaser again. Playing the teaser. Um, okay. Uh, uh, this is the last track, and I have a feeling. You're going to try and, because you've already said you're going to throw a few extra ones in for your actual mm -hmm. playlist. So I wonder how many honourable mentions I'm, we're going to get. Um, I just want, I didn't narrow it down. <laughs> uh, we can talk about, so you, you can, you can throw, you can throw some other ones out there, but obviously we'll put, just add one officially to the playlist. But, uh, so the honourable mention one is one um, that, it's a song that nearly made the cut for one of the previous ones, but you still want to add because it obviously defines something for you. Um, mm -hmm. so what is the track and what, what feeling does it bring up for you? Okay. So I've picked, I wonder by an artist called Rodriguez. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't know if you're familiar, but, um, there was a really interesting documentary on him came out, um, in the last few years called Finding Sugar Man. And I'd heard his music oh, right, before yeah. then, but the, the documentary is like really enlightening and uh, you get to find out about him as a person and his journey has just been really interesting and his music's kind of beautiful as well and sums up a time and an era. And I, I particularly like this track because it's, it's very reflective of like modern relationships and kind of questions over relationships and it's just an interesting insight into the way somebody's mind works and also just a beautiful song as well so yeah that's my honorable mention I wonder nice. by Rodriguez uh, once again and I said it a couple of times but a really lovely reason so uh, I think that's a great honorable mention um super well this playlist be great uh different than I expected um this is what I really <laughs> like about this playlist because people you know in the first chat you obviously build up a bit of a a bit of a presumption on what you know talking about obviously the alternative scene and, and obviously i know there have been rock songs in this but um yeah i think uh, i think it's all been 
yeah, I, I mean, I don't know a couple of them, so I'm excited to go away and listen. Well, I think my, like a lot of people, I suppose that my music taste is still always like changing and evolving and, and growing to encompass like new things. So this is very much like reflective of everything that I'm loving at the moment. But if you'd yeah. asked me 10 years ago, it'd be like <laughs> completely different again. And uh, I know what you mean. Like, it's really easy to have preconceptions of people based on your own experiences of music and stuff and don't, like don't get me wrong as well all the stuff that you've listed off and mentioned as things that you've loved in the past and still mean a lot to you is like I still have all those fond memories <laughs> of those things as well but having to narrow it down to like one song choice per thing has been really <laughs> really uh tricky for me so yeah. uh this is my final edit but nice. if we had time to expand on that then yeah there'd be a hell of a lot more <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we'll uh, we'll do a revisit with you later down the road and you can throw some Amazing. other ones in. We could uh, do I a mean, series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the beauties of being the host is I don't have to pick. But um, if I did, uh, I, I don't, there would definitely be some surprises that I don't think people would expect. Um, again, because obviously I listen to a lot of, you know, alternative, like punk and, you know, noisy stuff. I think people would just presume that my players would be mostly that um so but yeah I don't have to pick as the host which is great <laughs> so no well, I, I think it's quite nice that you picked mostly like positive uh kind of genres like I'd, I'd be really tempted to ask anyone like if there's stuff that they really hate because I think that's quite <laughs> telling about people as well <laughs> yeah well yeah maybe maybe we can do a spin-off pod and talk about <laughs> where it isn't your mind um and talk about the music that you really hate um oh well i mean thank you so much for coming on the pod it's been a real honor to chat as a fan of yours and someone who will come and get tattooed by you at some point oh, so you've, you've always so you've always nice been on my bucket can, list i can uh, bend your ear about music more <laughs> oh that'd be great um just before we wrap up would you want to give your shop a shout out do you want to give any of your other projects a shout out uh, so I know I've already uh, sung the praises of the girls at the studios. So I'd just love to say an extra big thank you to them and and all of my clients who keep coming and supporting us as we kind of come out of lockdown. And uh, even prior to that, just since we opened, we've got an amazing customer base and really lucky to have reliable regulars and just lovely people involved um and the studio is called death store tattoo um we're based in the lower north lane in brighton and uh yeah we want to tattoo you come get something <laughs> nice and i can say as a neutral uh every artist in there is great i mean i've like i said i was a fan of him before um from when she was at the family business obviously being a fan of yours hence why asking you to come on um so there is like proper good artists at your shop so um if people do want to get tattooed and are in brighton or happy to go to brighton it's definitely a shop that they need to check out um i'm excited to find out more uh when you reveal it about your tv project um <laughs> i'll tell and, you a little bit off air in a minute <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah no i'm just uh yeah i know i've said it before but thank you for giving up your time uh and yeah coming on the pod it's been a real pleasure Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you so much for for caring to ask. It's been really nice <laughs> no. to talk today. Thanks. Super. Thank you very much, Lee. Cool. Thanks. Bye, Bye. Tom. <laughs>